Well, we're looking uh, for the third week in a row at study in our Living Life Well series that we've been uh, on for quite a few months together now and looking at the joy of study. Now, some of you will think that that's an oxymoron. You'll think, hang on a minute, study and joy, those two words do not always go together. Um, but actually, my belief is that it can, uh, not because we're studious people. Some of us will love study, some of us really won't. But God says that's fine because this is a miraculous thing that we're involved with when we're looking at the living word of God. And I wondered today if we could perhaps recapture some of the joy of reading the word, some of the privilege and the honor even that we have in hearing from God. And the psalmist, David, as we look at these few sentences from the Psalm 19, he talks about the very delight that he has in the scriptures, that actually they're transformative for his inner life. And I do believe um, that there is a bit of a battle in the spiritual realms that goes on in terms of you and I reading the Bible. Because it's powerful. And if it's powerful, if it's going to help us, if it's going to be medicine for our soul, if it's going to help us with fear and anxiety and all of the things that bombard us, the enemy, whoever you might have a name for him, the Bible says that he's very real, will not want that to happen. So actually, there can be a bit of a battle. C.S. Lewis put it brilliantly, I think, when he wrote Screwtape Letters, which was a kind of parody, if you like, of what would it be like if a whole load of devils under the supervision of one major devil was to bombard a subject, a human subject, with different kinds of temptations. And uh, Screwtape, the kind of chief devil, says this, it is funny how mortals always picture us putting things into their minds. In reality, our best work is done by trying to keep the truth out. It's a different way of looking at it. We will often say, oh, I'm believing lies. And I know I've said that many times, that sometimes we, we feel like there are lies that come into our mind about our self-esteem, our self-worth, our health. But actually, isn't that interesting that in a way C.S. Lewis is flipping on its head and saying it's actually a matter of blocking the truth that wants to get in. And God has given us his living word to actually change our minds, to transform us inside out. Now, I don't know if you know who this is. Uh, you may not have seen him with his very impressive beard there, very on trend. Um, but this is way back when, when the Bible was first translated, translated from Hebrew into Latin, from Greek and Hebrew into Latin. And this is Jerome doing that very thing of translating. But if we look a bit more carefully, and I hope that you can see it, it's not that clear. Jerome is there, and he he's maybe looks a bit like some of us when we're studying, I don't know. But if you look in the foreground, you'll see some important things. One is his hat, which would have had his badge of office, he was a very important person, is lying down on the ground. In other words, when we read the scriptures together, we are equal. His status is right down on the ground before him. He was also known for having wrestled a thorn out of the paw of a bear. That's one of the things he was famous for back in the day. And that same bear is there at rest. 
In other words, even his reputation lies on the ground, resting while he reads the scripture. I'm not sure what the bird's doing there, and some of you I know I have a dislike and almost a fear of birds, so I'm ignoring the bird, but somebody might be able to tell me afterwards what he's doing there. Um, but his shoes are there, his slippers are there, and that's a sign that he's on holy ground. You know, the Bible says, take off your shoes, you're on holy ground. And every time you and I even read a verse on our phone of scripture, there is a sense of this kind of transcendence, that our status is laid down, our hat if you like, that our shoes are off because we're on holy ground, not literally, but you get my meaning. That the things that we've wrestled with, the bears that we might be wrestling with, are at our feet. Why? Because we're being transformed, empowered with wisdom and joy. And you'll all just notice, if you can, that the light is falling above him and that there's enlightenment going on. The painter wanted to show that there was an enlightenment as he read the word, the light on the cupboards and all his offices, all his objects. But finally, and most importantly, what is going on here? On the other side of this slightly lopsided picture is the cross of Christ. He's translating scriptures, and as he's doing that, he's getting to know Jesus. And as we've heard from Andy and Tim the last couple of weeks, that's our primary reason for reading, to know the living God. Uh, a really powerful picture, I think, that can give us joy, give us encouragement, and make us think, yes, this is a positive thing to be doing. Brother Andrew, founder of Open Doors, who, of course, famously have smuggled Bibles behind persecuted barriers for many, many years now, uh, said this, surely one of the saddest sentences in Scripture is the cry of the psalmist, no one cares for my soul. How many millions echo that complaint today? And we have soul sickness in our world we have a lot of despair around currently. And in a way there, he's, he's quoting another psalm saying, actually, where can we go for soul healing? Where can we go for soul medicine? And David in this psalm is very clear in the sort of six different couplets that he puts together that Sarah read for us. He's very clear that the law of the Lord, he keeps saying the law of the Lord, that this is from God that it's God-breathed what he's reading. And in verse 7, he says, The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. I love that last bit. It gives me hope, all right? Because there will be people you and I meet who are so clever that when they talk about the Bible, we start to glaze over. And we might even start to say, ah, Mm, that's a really good Christian there. They know their Bible inside out. They know they're old from their new in the back to front and all of that and brilliant. But we are not all as clever as one another. And actually, nor is David. He is saying that actually, however we come to scripture, we will be made wise by it because it's a miracle. It is not a cerebral intellectual exercise. We may think it is, but scripture says different. It says that it's actually a transformative, supernatural experience when we read the word of God. Different to 
any book that we will ever read, and I love books, but nothing will impact us the way that scripture will. Why? Because it's God-breathed. It's living word rather than just dead words on a page. And he says it refreshes the soul. So when we look at our world that says, where will I find soul medicine? The Bible shouts, it's here. And he doesn't just shout that to the people who are not reading it outside of this church. He, He cries it out to us. Why would you neglect the very sense, if you like, the very hearing that God has given to each one of us? Because it will be your refreshment. The statutes, in other words, the things that God has laid out, can be trusted. His law, his rule can be trusted, making wise the simple. I used to work with a lovely girl uh, called Ruth, who was a dancer, who was a brilliant artist, but who at at school had struggled her whole life with dyslexia. And she'd been underdiagnosed. In fact, for many years, she wasn't diagnosed at all. And she couldn't get on with her teachers, so she self-taught an awful lot at home. She was told that she would never pass any GCSE. Imagine any teacher telling a child that. And she got six GCSEs by teaching herself at home. Amazing girl. And when I talked to her about the Trinity many years ago, she said, it's very simple, Judy, to me. God showed me. Showed me Father, showed me Son, and showed me the Holy Spirit through reading my Bible. Now, she used to read, and I'm sure she wouldn't mind sharing this, she used to read a children's Bible. She found it more helpful. But God had shown her the Trinity. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? (laughs) So actually making wise the simple, and I'm not calling Ruth simple, but you hear what I'm saying, that actually this is not about intellect. This is about God showing us stuff. And he will do that according to any kind of learning styles that each of us have. And then we go on to verse 8. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the law are radiant, giving light to the eyes. I'm going to talk a little bit about North Korea in a little while and what they risk for scripture. But I really did see this radiance of the eyes, this being lit up by scripture. And I think when you've been deprived of it all your life, the joy of suddenly finding it lights people up. And perhaps we'll think of people that we know where that is true. And actually to pray maybe as we come to respond, that that same radiance would come to us, that same enlightenment as we look at the commands. And he says, actually, that the precepts are right, giving joy to his heart, radiant, giving light to the eyes. And then he goes on to say, they are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey. In other words, he's saying it's like God's precepts, his principles, keep me joyful. And you and I know that when we get bound up in sin, when we get into a tangle, our joy is the first thing to go. So he's saying, this book keeps me right. R.T. Kendall, one of my favorite writers, uh, said that he found himself getting a bit judgy. Anyone ever had that experience? Started feeling a little bit judgy. And uh, I don't think he used that word because he's a bit more intellectual than me. But he found himself really critiquing people all the time. And he's a beautiful writer and church leader. And he thought, I don't want to be that person. So he just took one verse from Matthew 7, judge not that you may not be judged. And he read it every day. For how long? Seven years. 
So presumably he knew it off by heart by then, I think. But for seven years, he read it because he knew that by nature he was a judgmental person. And he, after seven years, thought, do you know what? I feel free of it. After reading it and just going over it. He then, and he now, is reading a different verse. And I thought it was worth reading. It's good for all of us. He's reading uh, Romans 12:3, And for two years, he's read this verse every day. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. It keeps him right. He was getting a bit of an ego. His books are pretty awesome. He was, he was doing really well, still is. But he realized that actually to keep him right, he needed to practice just reading a verse a day. So actually we can do that, can't we? You know, it's quite a few of you agree. Can we do that? Yeah. I think we can, even if we're thinking, look, I'm a busy mum, I just don't know how I can make the time for this. Just one verse on our phone would be a way, and it might be for a season. Now, we are studying way more than just one verse, but if that's what you can do for this season, God will use that. Why? Because it's supernatural. Uh, As a little small group, my girl's small group from... um, Myth, uh, we took a, a verse, just a, a verse from scripture that we're going to read every day. And we just agreed on it. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We just agreed on it when it started to snow outside Sorrento Lounge. And one of the girls turned around, Libby, I think it was, and said, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the living. And it suddenly lit up that verse for me, thinking, oh, yeah, it's a choice. It's a choice. It's not a promise just it's a choice to say every day I will see the goodness of the Lord uh, in, in the land of the living brilliant so we're being lit up by it we're being enlightened we're being given that radiance and then finally David says and remember David's a king and he says it's more precious than anything this is this is more precious than anything and I found this quite impacting when I reread it. Is that how I see it? Is that how you and I really see the word of God, more precious than anything? Because if we were deprived of it, like our babies suddenly hearing a voice for the first time, there is joy because they've been held back from it. If we were told tomorrow that we couldn't read the Bible anymore, we would be fuming, wouldn't we? We'd be in uproar. We'd be risking life and limb, we hope, to read just a portion of it. But when we start to see it as a duty, perhaps it loses some of that joy that actually it was intended for. I remember going to an island where you weren't allowed to read the Bible and uh, I remember taking a recording um, on my phone uh, of the Psalms. I think it was uh, Sidney L. Jackson or Samuel L. Jackson reading the Psalms um, and felt really good. You know, I felt really mutinous just going in with that to, to listen to every day by the sea. But it was because I was told that I couldn't that I had even more determination. That's probably my personality, but there'll be quite a few of us who are similar to that. And just to close, when I uh, went to Korea in May, um, I met with women there, and some of you will know some of the stories, but I met with women there who had never, ever, ever read scripture and who were reading it in class with us, some of them for the first time and some really just getting into it in the first few weeks of their Christian life. 
And two of the women that we met already knew some scripture. So one of them cried because she said, I have heard this, washing clothes on the hillside. Now I go all tingly with that because that tells me that this is more than just words. That God will have his way and his word will go out. And sometimes that's prophetic, sometimes that's someone hearing an audible voice. It was in that woman's case. But there's a heart knowledge before the head knowledge catches up. So that actually some of these women said, I I knew, I'd heard that I was a daughter of the king. I'd heard that I was precious in his sight and now I understand it. So they'd had it the other way around to us, interestingly. And and, and they, um, Andy Worthington was talking last week about um, his trips with open doors and he said there are some Christians who hide Bibles in the garden, just a portion of scripture, and go out by nightfall with torches, dig it up, read a bit, dig it down, and then go back to their homes. More precious than gold, sweeter than honey. To them it really will be as they're discovering this truth for the first time. So as we study, it would be great to think about the privilege again and the joy again of the scripture that we do have to read freely in this country for such a time as this anyway. And to close, um, in the New Testament, Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, comes back to the team that he was with, walks alongside, they don't recognize him, But when they finally realize that it's Jesus who's conquered death, who's come back from death, when they finally realize this brilliant verse is what they say, were not our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? In other words, oh, I get it. It's you, Jesus, because something was going on that was supernatural like those women in North Korea, that actually it's the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, that takes Scripture and actually changes us through it. Last Saturday night, uh, a friend of mine, a really good friend, one of the kind of friends that can tell you things that other friends can't, and uh, she said to me, she really had wanted to pray for me for a long time about a block in my life. And uh, she had a picture that there was an artery uh, leading to my heart that was blocked. And we sat on a Saturday night, it's dry January, so we didn't even have a nice glass of wine alongside it, but we sat there, and we don't normally do this on a Saturday night, but we sat there and she read scripture over me. And the breakthrough that I've had this week in in my life has been remarkable because of that. And I don't say that lightly, and a couple of you know that about me. Just from somebody, a friend loving me enough to say, you need to speak scripture into this area, this block in your life. And the truth will set us free. Shall we stand? And I'd love to pray for us. And during this song, um, we're going to have communion. Sarah will organise all that, I'm sure. Do stand with me. And uh, if you would like to go for prayer at any point, uh, we'd love to pray with you maybe a little bit about just that finding that delight again in Scripture, in the living word, if it's become a burden.